Today is the feast of the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Falling as it does on this Sunday, the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, it takes precedence over the Sunday Mass, which will be reprised, reprised in the course of the week. But there is a commemoration of the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost by the second oration in today's Mass and also by the special last gospel. I ask your prayers, please, for some dear souls who are very much in need of them. Of course, we know many such souls brought to our attention by their loved ones here on earth through the Immaculate Heart of Mary prayer list or through our own Immaculate Conception prayer requests. Please keep in your prayers Mr. Paul Riley and his family. Please remember Mrs. Cheryl Johnson and her family, her dear husband Terry, Cheryl is going through quite an ordeal now. Please keep her in your prayers. Please remember Jim and Pat Tootie and also Richard and Terry Wilt. Please remember Monsignor Handworker and some of the other dear souls, many of them known to us, some of them not known to us, but all known to God. Ask God to have mercy on them all. And he knows them all, each and every one. They are dear to Our Lady, and she also will certainly be joining her prayers in heaven to our own, asking for God's mercy for them. Now notice that this coming Friday and is the first Friday of the month of November and the Saturday, first Saturday. So we have the first Friday and first Saturday coming up very quickly. Thank you for your pledges to be there for adoration of our Lord on the altar during that first Friday night, first Saturday morning. Please be ready to do so again this coming Friday. In fact, this entire week we have, starting yesterday actually, is a very special week. Yesterday we had the, the feast day of two apostles, St. Saint Saint Jude and St. Simon. And uh, today we have the feast day of the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight, three priests from the seminary will be joining us and will be here for tomorrow and the next day. Uh, we thank Father Krug for coming with two newly ordained priests, Father Harbor and Father Peters. And tomorrow, Father Harbor will be offering his first solemn mass here at Immaculate Conception at 5 p.m. And all of you are encouraged to be here for that grand event, to thank God for the ordination of a new priest who will be serving you in the future. And then after the 5 p.m. solemn mass at about seven o'clock or somewhat before, the celebratory dinner will be served very nearby here, as you know. And I ask again that you be there to join in that celebration. <clears throat> I believe there still are some places available. Now, that will take place at 7 p.m. tomorrow. And then on Tuesday, we have a day of recollection for our students, given by Father Greenwell and myself, but notably by those th three visiting priests from the seminary. And uh, during that day of recollection for our students and any of the homeschoolers who would 
wish to come. We just need to know that you're coming. That uh, Father Peters will offer his first solemn mass here as part of that day of recollection. That will be on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday is also a vigil day. It is the vigil of All Saints Day. And because it is a vigil of the All Saints, <clears throat> then we, it is a day of fast and abstinence. Please make a note of that. The <clears throat> day of recollection will also be on the day of fast and abstinence, which means we can have one full meal, the main meal of the day, and with meat at that one main meal. Now, the following day, Wednesday, November 1st, is All Saints Day, a holy day of obligation for all Catholics worthy of the name, of course. And the following day after that, Thursday, is All Souls Day. Actually, beginning at noon on All Saints Day, you can already then begin to gain the indulgences for the souls in purgatory. And then all day on All Souls Day, Thursday, also you can gain those indulgences. We ask that you turn in the envelopes for a memorial of your loved ones for All Souls Day. We ask you to turn them in before, uh, before All Souls Day itself. We ask you to turn them in actually even before All Saints Day because we'd like them on the altar on All Saints Day and throughout the entire month of November. So whatever envelopes have been given to us will be again to be on the altar for All Saints Day and then throughout the entire month dedicated to the souls in purgatory. To gain the plenary indulgence, well, you have to fulfill certain requirements, as simple as they are. They are outlined for you on a little page given you in the bulletin. Of course, there is the outward work of simply praying three times devoutly the Our Father and the Hail Mary and Glory Be to the Father. And when you pray them, you don't just pray them mentally, you actually do what the priest does when he prays the breviary. You actually form, your, form the words in your mouth. You actually, you don't have to speak the words out loud of the prayer, but you do form them in your mouth. You pray the prayers, and as often as you enter the church, and come to pray those prayers, you can gain a plenary indulgence for the soul of a faithful departed. But there are also the additional requirements for such a plenary indulgence. Going to confession during the week, receiving our Lord worthily during the week, and also having your mind made up against all habits of venial sins. We might never be able to eradicate all venial sins from our lives, but we can have a will set against them. Now, you know that in confession, we have to have our minds made up against all mortal sins. To gain a plenary indulgence, we have to have actually made up our minds to overcome our habits of venial sins. So that may raise the bar a bit, but at least it's what we should do. In any case, it's what we should do for our Lord to have that intention in any case, but it is necessary for the plenary intelligence. Now, <clears throat> today, we have an All Saints Day pageant taking place in St. Susanna Hall, and I encourage you all to attend that. It's after this Mass and benediction that they will have the All Saints Day pageant in St. Susanna Hall, 
And uh, there will be light refreshments served there and uh, some activities for the youngsters. Please be there. And uh, I thank those who have worked hard to prepare that. There will also be a bake sale uh, today after the second mass. Our juniors and seniors will provide that. And uh, that will also help with the All Saints Day pageant as well, I'm sure. So please take advantage of that opportunity they provide. <clears throat> Next Sunday, November 5th, there will be the public rosary at Hamilton County Courthouse. Is that important? Yes, it is always. But especially next Sunday, we know that that is just 48 hours, well, you might say less than that even, before Ohio votes on whether or not to have Ohio become a kind of abortion capital of the country. And uh, since Roe versus Wade was struck down on the national level, now it is returned to the states where the battle must be brought even home to our own Ohio, and we have to decide whether or not abortion will reign in our, in our state. We pray not, we beg God to spare us from that terrible open season on unborn children uh, where any restrictions can be overcome simply by the stroke of a pen, it seems. God forbid that it should come to that. So I ask you to please join us for that rosary on November 5th to beg God to spare us, spare our country, spare our, spare our state from this disaster, that he will have mercy on us all, especially on the children and their mothers. Now the annual pro-life dinner will be held on Saturday, November 11th. Please see the insert in today's bulletin. It's an important opportunity for us to get together uh, and to uh, thank God for having preserved us from this and uh, to finance the pro-life rosary procession, which is so important. So please support that very worthy endeavor and make it successful, and I thank you for that. Now, after Mass today, there will be benediction of the Blessed Sacrament called for by Pope Pius XI when he instituted this feast day with the prayers, the litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the prayer for the consecration of the human race to the Sacred Heart. So please join us for that as an act of thanksgiving for our Lord coming, and especially if you've received Holy Communion, make that a, the central part of your thanksgiving. Now the epistle for this, the feast of the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ, is taken from the epistle of St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 1. Brethren, giving thanks to God the Father, who hath made us worthy to be partakers of the lot of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For in him there were all things created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominations or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and in him. And he is before all, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in all things he may hold the primacy, because in him it hath well pleased the Father that all fullness should, be, should dwell, and through him to reconcile all things unto himself, making peace through the blood of his cross, both as to the things that are on the earth and the things that are in heaven, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. <coughs> the Gospel is taken from that according to St. John, chapter 18. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. At that time, Pilate said to Jesus, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or have others told it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew, thine own nation, and the chief of priests have delivered thee up to me? What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. For this was I born, and for this came I into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Please be seated. <clears throat> Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, at the end of every canon of the Mass, <clears throat> you hear <clears throat> the priests say in Latin, per ipsum et in ipso, cum ipso, we we actually say in that prayer that all that God created, he created with, in, and by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is an echo of this epistle of today's Mass. It talks about all things created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, having been created by him and in him, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Mass <clears throat> echoes this very thought, these very words of St. Paul. Now you know that when the Son of God became man, he placed himself in our power. He placed himself in the womb of Our Lady, then in her arms. <clears throat> but no soon was he actually born in the world than he was under attack. He was threatened by Herod and his soldiers and had to flee for his life into Egypt, a pagan land. And only after the death of Herod was he able to return. And even then, he could not return to Judea. He returned to Galilee, to the north, a measure of safety there, where our Lord grew up in obscurity, the Son of God not even recognized by his neighbors known to his mother and his foster father and to no one else. We know that when our Lord began his public life, he immediately became subject to contradiction and threats. Those threats would coalesce then and lead him to 
the judgment that we read about in the gospel today, when he stands before his judge, where Jesus Christ, the judge of all mankind, stands for judgment before all mankind, in the person of Pontius Pilate, representing the emperor of Rome. And there, the Son of God, the judge of all, is judged by the world. And the world judged him worthy of punishment for his innocence, proclaiming to be exactly who he was, the very Son of God and the Savior of mankind. And for that, the world condemned him to die. For that, the world crowned him with thorns. For that, the world gave him a scepter of a reed. For that, the world gave him the cross as his throne on which he would die. Surrounded not by the cries of vive la roi, long live the king, but crucify him, crucify him. This is what the world has done with its king. And you and I, and you and I also, do this when we commit mortal sin, and we live in mortal sin, as though from our hearts we cry, crucify him, crucify him, by our sins. My dear faithful, so it has been from the very beginning, and so it is now in the world that turns its back on him, only to cry, crucify him again. In order to counter that, in order to, as it were, confirm the faithful in their allegiance to Christ the King, for Pius XI, issued a decree in 1925, an encyclical called Quas Primas, in which he declared the kingship of Christ. Now this was not a new doctrine. It was a new feast day, but it was not a new doctrine. Go into the magnificent basilica of St. Mary Major, Santa Maria Maggiore in Rome, and you find there, in the archway, over the high altar, in the apse, you find a portrayal of Cristo Pan Crator, Christ the judge of all, the universal judge, dating back to the very earliest centuries of the church. Go into the church of Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, go into the church of Santa Maria in Trastevere, St. Mary's in, across the Tiber, I should say, and find, find there, again, a magnificent mosaic portrayal of Christ as the judge of all mankind. From the various days of the church, the church understood Christ is king. <clears throat> he has the power to govern, to make laws, to require us, to obey his commands. He has the power then to judge and the power to carry out his judgment over all mankind. 
We are here because we believe that is true. As all of the true Christians before us, all of Catholics have always believed that Christ really is the Lord and the King of all mankind. He is not only Lord and King over the souls in the church suffering, he is not only Lord and King over the souls now in heaven, he is the Lord and King here on earth of all mankind. And all mankind owes to him strictly obedience, love, thanksgiving. The encyclical Quas Primas explained the nature of that kingship and the origins of that kingship. Pope Pius XI explained that Jesus Christ <clears throat> has absolute dominion over all mankind as God, as its creator. Jesus Christ also has absolute dominion over mankind, the right to rule all mankind as an acquired right because he became man, God became man, and Jesus Christ as man suffered for us as the price of our, of our justification and our salvation. He paid the price of our ransom, therefore. So we owe him all that a king deserves. But his kingdom is not of this world. <clears throat> Some would dismiss his kingdom and saying, well, therefore, it does not apply to us. We can ignore him and do our own will. The fact that our Lord's kingdom is not of this world does not in any way take away from it. It actually makes it more powerful. The kingdoms of this world come and go. The kings rise and the kings die, often violently, <clears throat> and leave only their dust behind. The dust of their own weak and corruptible bodies, but the dust of all those who suffered under them. <clears throat> Even their kingdoms return to dust. This is the kingship of this world. But our Lord's kingdom is not of this world. It is of eternity. It is far beyond any kingship possible here on earth. And our Lord has brought that kingdom here. He has established his kingdom here on earth. So his kingdom is not of this world, but it is in this world. And it must be reckoned with. It is a kingdom over all mankind, not just a petty king who rules here and there for a brief time and then is either assassinated or mourned for a brief time and then forgotten. No, our Lord's kingdom, our Lord's kingship goes far beyond that. Perhaps the most important aspect of his kingship that you and I have to insist upon today is his power of judgment. You see, our Lord came not to judge. The first time he came, he came to save. He came to establish his church. He came to die on the cross. It was in the process of dying on the cross and redeeming us that he established his church. It was from his open side on the cross as he hung in death there, crucified, that the church actually was born of him. <clears throat> and that church is here to justify from sin and to sanctify 
so as to glorify, that the souls of men may be someday glorified in an everlasting life. That is the mission of this church. Our Lord himself will come, though, and the second time he comes, he will come to judge. He will come as the judge of mankind. And the scenes that we will soon read about in the gospel for the last Sunday of Pentecost and the first Sunday of Advent portray our Lord coming to do just that, to judge all mankind. <clears throat> Fearsome times, times when the faithful lift up their heads and rejoice at the thought of seeing our Lord. Times when the rest of the world mourns and grieves because, well, their party is over and they know now is the time of reckoning. If there's any message that mankind needs today, it is that Jesus Christ is their judge, that he will judge all of this. He will judge what they've done, all of them collectively and each one of them individually. He will judge each and every single one. That judgment actually is going on right now, judging individuals as they have finished the course of their lives and must appear before him to answer, to respond, <clears throat> to give an account of the lives he's given them, of the graces he died to provide for them. Each and every single one of them has to answer, as our Lord said, for every word that he spoke, for every decision that he made. Yes, God does know each of them, all of those, perfectly. <clears throat> you and I <clears throat> will stand before the world judged as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will be judged by the world as he was. He says, if they hate you, know that they have hated me before you. And if we are faithful to him, then we also will stand judgment here on this earth. They will judge us for our faith in him. They will judge us for our hope in him. They will judge us for our love for him. <clears throat> when you are judged by the world, how will you plead? When you are judged by the world for your faith and your hope and your love of God, how will you plead? <clears throat> well, the world continues its judgment. As St. Paul says, those who would live in any godly fashion in this world will suffer persecution. And it is impossible to please God without faith. This is the choice you and I have to make. When our Lord said he would send his Holy Ghost into the world, he sent him here as the judge of the world to actually you might say even as the prosecutor of the world, to prosecute it for its lack of faith, its rejection of Christ. But for the faithful, the Holy Ghost will exercise the role of advocate or paraclete. He will be our defender. He will be what we might call even our defense attorney, speaking for our, for our salvation. But the judge of all of this, as this trial continues, because you might say that each one of us here with this advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, 
each one of us here is now standing trial, that this is the trial right now taking place, and we are right now here on trial. And there awaits for us the judgment. Christ himself <coughs> awaits to judge. At the end of this trial, the judgment must be given, and that judgment belongs to our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the fact that must be that must be echoed throughout the world by every one of us. We must remind mankind that it has a savior, it has a judge, and it must face judgment. It's the one thing that the world does not want to hear. It's the one thing that the world rejects absolutely. As they plug their ears, there is not to hear the words of St. Stephen the deacon when they were about to stone him to death. So the world plugs its ears against that message that Christ lives, that he is, in fact, the judge of all mankind and will judge each and every one. He will judge not only individuals, but nations. You and I are citizens of the United States of America, but you and I are citizens of another family, a greater family, the communion of saints. We are exactly what St. Paul speaks of in today's gospel, of the household of the faith. <coughs> we belong to a family called the communion of saints. <coughs> in heaven, the Blessed Mother rules over that family with a mother's heart. We belong to that family here and now by grace. We want to be part of that family in heaven. In order to do that, in order to have that someday, we have to stand trial now, and we have to be found faithful by the great judge. It is a judgment that is pending for all of us. We must keep that in mind every single day of our lives. <clears throat> that this day I am on trial for our Lord, <clears throat> accused of knowing him by faith, of placing my hope in him, not in the things of the world, <clears throat> accused of loving him. <clears throat> Will I be found worthy of that accusation today, each day of my life? <clears throat> How will I be judged in the end? This, my day, will be judged. <clears throat> How will our Lord find me? Innocent before the world, innocent of faith or hope or love for him? Or will I be found by him <clears throat> innocent of the filth and the perfidy, the faithlessness and the corruption of the world? That is the judge that I must take seriously. And that is the judgment that I must take seriously. It is the judgment that we must hold before all mankind as its judgment facing it. By the grace of God, please ask our Lord, who stood judgment for you before the world and was condemned for you by the world, ask this Lord, this your future judge, that when you have the prospect of facing him, 
You are moved not by terror, the terror that will grip the world that rejected him, but moved by great anticipation of your love being fulfilled. As St. John says, perfect love takes away all fear. I pray that you will have that love that will enable you to look forward to seeing your Lord face to face, confidence, confident in his mercy and his judgment, that you indeed will be found faithful. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.